As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to Four to Six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic. Bill Landis, joined as always by Ari Wasserman. Ari, I, I have the command center set up. I got I got your uh, beautiful face on Zoom. I got the questions here from our subscribers, and I have Twitter open. In case, uh, I don't know, like the Pope wants to tweet about Big Ten football and we don't miss it and we can inject it into the episode like we had to do last week when the president tweeted about Big Ten football. I think that the president tweeting about Big Ten football is the craziest thing that could possibly happen. I don't know, maybe the Pope would be weirder, but... um I think the Pope th- tweeting "Let them play" and like he has he has like fifteen different accounts in all different languages, and if he tweeted to "Let them play" in every different language, I think that'd be crazier. <laughs> like, let's play a game right now. Who is the craziest person that could tweet about Big Ten football? Kevin Warren. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am happy because last week you had the whole command center going, and like you. I don't know if we have a great producer, but I know that you um, kind of lost your train of thought there for a minute when Trump tweeted. So I think now, like, having gone through it, like, experience is only, you know, gained by playing. I think you're going to be more ready to be a a great host if and when something crazy happens during this recording. So, you know, that's why you need the snaps, man. (laughs) I just saw another crazy tweet that has nothing to do with this, and I'm not going to read it, but it is an insane tweet. (laughs) Just so everybody knows, Landis bought my old computer from me, and it's a huge screen. And I think that this is like really helping our podcast. It's really helping me because I can watch uh, I can watch film, and it's not on my laptop screen, and I can have multiple windows open at the same time. It's great. I feel like a football coach, even though I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You know a lot, but at I, least I, you have. An, it's like double it. monitors in one. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So I won't miss anything. 
if it happens here while we're recording this podcast. I think I, I'm a seasoned veteran now for the craziness that is uh, this Big Ten saga. And you guys, not surprisingly, have a lot of questions about that. We're doing a subscriber mailbag show. We promised you last week we would do one. Um, we'll probably do one every other week as long as we don't know what's happening with Big Ten football. Maybe we'll get some news on that this week. We'll talk about that in a second. If you are listening to this and you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, I have great news for you. You can go to theathletic.com slash 4-6, and usually it's 40% off. Right now, it's a dollar per month. So you can go to that link, theathletic.com slash 4-6, sign up for $1 a month, and you can get in and submit questions for the subscriber mailbag. Also, uh, we will take questions from any Apple five-star reviews, but it's a buck, man. A buck for The Athletic is crazy. I think it's a really good deal. Can you think of anything better? Uh, so, like, I went to the rodeo for the first time in my life last week with my girlfriend and we were walking by this boot store and they were selling caramels for one dollar i went and i bought her a caramel for a dollar and like i didn't eat it she thought it was really good but i think like a subscription to the athletic for a month is better value than one single caramel was it like a normal size caramel yeah and it was, but it was like a it was like a homemade one or something though like a really good one like i, I don't know it's, it's not it wasn't like a werther's original or something that you get in walgreens candy aisle it was like a legit soft you know, the size of a quarter, maybe, caramel, and it was individually wrapped, and it was a dollar. Did it have, like, the vanilla cream in the middle? I will have to get back to you on that. I don't know. Okay, All I know was a dollar, and if I had to pick one thing, I would pick the, the subscription to The Athletic over the caramel. I don't know if I would do the one dollar, like, The Athletic <laughs> over the dollar candy at Walmart, you know, the ones that come in a box. I think yeah, I might go with the candy yeah. for that, but, like, I think... If you do $2, you could read Bill Landis' story on the recruiting race between Ohio State and Alabama and have Reese's Pieces at the same time. And I don't know if you could do a better combination of $2. That's pretty good. One time I uh, got four used golf balls at a, at a golf course for a dollar, and then I promptly hit them all to the water on the second hole. <laughs> that was not a great investment. The Athletic for $1 is a great investment. Yeah, give it a shot and go through our link. We, we get to track it and we appreciate it and... Again, deals are deals. Deals are deals. Here's our first question from a subscriber to The Athletic, Ryan H. And I think he basically gets right to the point. And what I am fairly certain is the only thing Ohio State fans care about at the moment is this. He says, there are rumors all over the place with potential start dates. You will probably be wrong and no one is holding you to it. But to put it out there, when will, when will Big Ten football be played? And by the really, way, these we, are guesses. <laughs> you and you really like wanted to start off the show with that. I guess it's the thing that people care about the most. I mean, but we it's can the start thing with that we don't Caesar's know pizza or like no. position battle stuff. But this is what people care about. We'll wait. We'll wait till uh, minute forty-five for your condescension on my little Caesar's take. Uh, I cannot wait to get to that. By the way, I'm going to freak out. I think. I think my peas are going to be popping on that one. Um, that means that if I yell too much in the microphone, everyone, I just learned that today. But. You know, I think that my guess right now would be with all the reports that came out on Wednesday afternoon about late October, or I think it seems clear right now that the Big Ten is trying to move up their, their calendar. Um, I think that it's a fair assumption based on the reporting that's been done by, you know, everybody. And where that is, I think, is like the problem now. Is it in mid-October, late October, and November? Like we uh, ourselves reported, what? Was that a month ago now at this point or three weeks ago? How long has it been? I don't know what day it is. So, But, like, to me, I think that, like, November, early November would be my guess. I think just because logistically speaking, 
That makes the most sense in terms of everybody getting on the same schedule, agreeing to it, practices, safety, protocols, all the things that have to happen. I don't know if the Big Ten can just be like, you know what, we're playing October 20th. I think that would be the best scenario. I I hope that whatever they do and whatever they come up with, they play in the playoff because that's what everybody wants. That's what you want. That's what I want. That's what the world wants. That's what the Pope wants, I think. Uh, You know, (laughs) I I don't know um, how... They would do that in a November schedule. I don't know how much layoff there would have to be in the playoff um, selection, and I'm kind of rambling here, but like I just like I want to believe that they're going to be able to start before November, but like my gut feeling says November. So if you were to ask me this yesterday, I think I would say the Thanksgiving thing that everyone has been talking about for a little bit, and I know like October 10th is out there too, and we're recording this on September 10th, so a month from now. It's kind of hard for me to see that. I guess like October seventeenth isn't impossible, but like I, I'm not going to guess that because like I myself have not heard anything about that, and it's it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around because you can talk to five people and hear five different things, and a lot of it is hopes and opinions, and not necessarily fact or like what is actually going to happen. But on Wednesday, and we're recording this a little late, a little later than we usually do, but I think it worked out well. Um, in this instance, uh, Adam, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, who's very well sourced at the Big Ten, um, reported that the October start, and he didn't say a specific date, is like in play. And I know other people have reported that too. Um, Teddy Greenstein, who works for the Chicago Tribune, also very well sourced at the Big Ten, says a vote could come by like Sunday or Monday. Sunday or maybe this weekend, if not Sunday or Monday, maybe early next week to figure out what the next steps are. Now, a vote doesn't mean a vote next week doesn't mean they're going to play in October. A vote next week can be on here's what we like to play in January. Um, But that would be I mean, any kind of vote that leads to a plan is a good thing because the Big Ten has been twirling in the wind here for a month without one. And it's embarrassing. But the idea that a vote feels imminent and there's enough chatter out there about October to like make you think it's a possibility is starting to change my mind a little bit. I still don't think I'm going to guess October. I think I would guess like somewhere between October and Thanksgiving. And I'm wondering if for some reason they say like, we're going to start the first week of November. If there's enough space there for the college football playoff to like, let the big 10 back in. Like, do you think there would be? Yeah. The SEC is not starting till the 26th of September. Here's the tricky part. I think that they could logistically come up with a plan to make that happen. But I think given the uncertain times that we're in in terms of the virus, because that's still a thing. I I think that as we continue to talk about like start dates and logistics and stuff, like it's been very easy to kind of forget how we got into this position to begin with. Um, And like the fact is, is that the SEC is starting what, September 26th? Yep. Like they're could be delays in their schedule too. So like getting on the same page is going to be kind of a tough thing because nobody knows exactly how and when these games are going to be played or whether they're all going to be completed. Um, but I think just in, in the sense of everything goes perfectly, Ohio State starts in early November and everything goes off without a hitch in the SEC, that's what, a six-week difference or a, a one-month difference? Five yeah. weeks? Five weeks. <clears throat> I remember in 2006, Ohio State waited six weeks to play in the national championship game. So, like, it's not like it's never been done in college football before. And I think that, like, if you're within a one-month um, 
window. I think that like in a weird year like this, the college football world would just have to get on board with getting it all together, right? And I don't want to go down this road again, Bill, because you know last week I got into trouble like assuming that everybody in the SEC would want the same schedule or would want to play everybody from the other conferences. But like if Ohio State plays at the end of October or November, I think Thanksgiving would be too far gone, but maybe early November they could come up with a plan. I'd like to hope that. I mean, I think it would be awful, like truly awful, if Ohio State was playing and was undefeated and didn't get to participate in the national championship race. So, you know, I, I think so. I, I think it's good that you and I are on our on the same page. And I, I do want to make the point, Bill, that um, I think that a lot of the differences or a lot of the things that people were reading on Twitter about October 10th were more hopes and more opinions than actual fact. And like, we were going to record this on Wednesday, and we were delayed a day. And in that day delay, we saw reporters from the Chicago Tribune and ESPN start to talk about the possibility of having an October start date. And that's the first time that a reporter at a mainstream news organization did that. So like, to me, I think that's a really good sign that there is a... like the first month of all the voting stuff and the October start date to me was all nonsense because it wasn't, it wasn't tangible. It wasn't real. But now I think it's like actually a possibility. And I think that like, I actually think that maybe by the end of October, they could get something going like, and like my girlfriend who knows nothing about football asked me in the car, she goes, so what's going on with the big 10? And I think it was like sweet because she doesn't really care what's going on with the big 10, but she's trying to be supportive of like what I do. And I said, well, um, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, and she went to Texas A&M, so she knows what what those things are, uh, <laughs> are playing. And then she goes, well, either you can play or you can't. Isn't it kind of stupid that some aren't and some aren't? And I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, well, Ohio State has a pretty crazy fan base, right? Like, why – are people freaking out in Ohio? And I said, yes. <laughs> God, I wish I could be that oblivious to this. Yeah, no, she, um, yeah, she's uh, not very plugged in in the world of football, but I think she solved the problems of like what's going on here. Uh, I think it doesn't take much to kind of figure out how messed up this is. So like when you ask me these questions, I think that like neither of us know whether or not it's actually safe to act, to do this, to play. What I know for a fact is dumb is half and half. Like either it's not safe yeah. for anybody to play and you don't, or everybody is safe to play, or you try attempt together and then you put it together. So like all of this is so weird to me. Like I and since the beginning of of the whole idea of Texas of uh, football being canceled, even when it started in Texas with high school football, like I thought either none of this is going to happen or all of it. So like the fact that we're here on September tenth and the SEC is playing in, like, 16 days, and Ohio State is, like, practicing, and we're seeing videos of Justin Fields throwing the ball around, and they're not playing, is, like, truly the oddest outcome that I could have come up with in the beginning of all this. So much has changed since the Big Ten's decision, which, like, hammers home the point that they should have just um, pushed off, like, a couple weeks into the fall and not come out and said we're postponing until the spring. That was so stupid. <clears throat> we don't have to relitigate it, but like literally a million things have changed since then. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and I do wonder like this, the PAC 12 announced last week that it had, has this deal in place with uh, a company that's going to provide them 
cheaper, uh, quicker, and I believe daily testing. And I think that's a holdout for the Big Ten too. And that that makes sense to me because I got like while the Big Ten initially put out a schedule that was built to be adaptable, if you can avoid disruptions with daily testing, which I think is you can see with the NFL, like you can you can just avoid outbreaks. I think. Or catch them before they start if you're doing daily testing. And the Big Ten has not announced any deals to provide that. We know that the the White House has said that they're offering um, the ability to do that. Whether or not the Big Ten is going to take them up on that, I have no idea. But there are options for the Big Ten to do that even if they don't go through the White House or or through the federal government. Um, (laughs) But I wonder – Say that again and then explain it to your 2016 self. Yeah, yeah. We're going to look back on this very fondly. Can't can't wait to read all the books. But I wonder – like the idea of – if the Big Ten were to figure out a way to play in like, like at the beginning of November and had daily testing that allowed them to avoid disruptions and they can just play for eight straight weeks and play eight games, if they play eight and the other conferences are playing like nine or ten, I still think you can figure out a playoff field with that. Like I don't think that's such a big discrepancy, like one game or two games. Mm-hmm. And I guess if you're playing eight games in the Big Ten championship, it's nine games. Like even if the Big Ten season is not as long as the other Power Five conferences because they started a little later and they shortened it to kind of get on the same path to play a playoff in January, I think that can work. Do you think that can work? Yeah, I think that it would be an interesting discussion because you would have some teams um, that were potentially nine and one um, saying, "Well, how is an eight no team better if they only had to play eight games and we had to play 10? Um, and that's like kind of an issue, but also it would just make the threshold of the teams only playing eight games of having to be undefeated. And like, I also think too, and I don't know if this is even a possibility on such short notice, but like, the best scenario here too would be potential playoff reform. Yeah. Um, you know, where it's a weird year, and we've said this a lot on this podcast, but embrace the weird, and it's just like. Make a playoff field where every conference champion gets to participate in the playoff. And how we determine conference champions is going to vary based on health ordinances in each area. So, like, if the Big Ten only plays seven or eight regular season games, you can determine a Big Ten champion in those seven or eight games. And if the SEC plays ten, you can determine that champion. And then those champions play. And at the end of the year, you might have people saying, well, this team had less wear and tear on their body or this team was tested more and all the same stuff that we hear in regular years. But I think that, like, that's an okay thing to live with rather than what would have happened if they'd played. You know, like, if you if you live in a world where asterisks don't matter or you don't care, like the Alabamas of the world and the LSUs right now, talking about Ohio State not playing, then you certainly can live with a discrepancy in total number of games, can't you? I could for sure, yeah, and it's not like like baseball did it. Baseball changed its playoff format because the season was weird. Why can't college football do that? And like maybe they'll discover the NCAA like, tournaments talking about letting everybody play in the NCAA tournament this year. Why can't football do? that? I don't even understand that. Like I mean, maybe that's a discussion for another day. But like I don't even understand what the benefit of that is. Yeah, I don't even know what's going to happen. Like the the ACC is pushing it, and uh, Dan Gavitt, who's the basketball guy at the NCAA, came out today and said like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, I, the point of it, I guess, would be because if you're not going to play non-conference games, it becomes really hard to like use the net rating to get to seed. Um, and it honestly wouldn't really change all that much. It's just like the conference tournaments become come, become the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, which is basically how it is now. But like after one weekend, you're down to the 68-64 team field anyway. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think it would be that big of a, of a change, to be honest. 
but I don't, I don't think it's you're the happen. basketball the, guy. I don't know. I but the point is like it's being discussed. Like it's being discussed in college basketball. It happened in baseball. The NFL changes playoff too, but I can't remember if that was just a change or if it was a change relative to COVID. But if leagues are willing to do this, I don't know why college football, it, the college football playoff at least for this year, wouldn't want to expand the field. And I guess you'd have to do it by two teams to allow every Power Five conference and then like one at large or whatever. But it would make it cleaner, I think, if the Big Ten or maybe even the Pac-12 <clears throat> are able to get in a position where they can start playing in November. Because the Pac-12 is talking about moving up, too. Now, with this, when they announced this deal for the daily testing, they also, like, I, I don't think, hid the fact that they were looking at opportunities to move up from January, which I think was, like, best-case scenario for them a week ago. Um, I don't know if they can get all the way up to November because the situation out there is very different. And I, I still think there are teams that can't practice. Um but I don't think it's impossible now that we're going to see all five power leagues playing at some point this fall. I just don't know if they can all get on the same page to have like a a normal playoff like we would expect. Yeah, I think we all can agree that the worst possible scenario here is playing two separate seasons that don't end in the same pot. But the cool thing about playoff reform and that discussion is that you can make the argument even more so than baseball and the NFL that like, the playoff system that needed to be changed the most is college already, like regardless of COVID. So like the idea that we might have a chance to use COVID as a way to test a new way of doing things um, might actually be a positive for the sport to begin with. So um, I think that if you get everybody playing in the fall, which is what the hope was originally, even if it's on separate schedules, you just make do with what you can as a result of this, but you make sure that everybody is going to end up in the same field um, at the end of the year, and that's how you keep everything interesting. So, like, if Alabama's playing week three and Ohio State's opening week one, Alabama might be ahead of their schedule, but all the games are still important for everybody to watch because it's all going to end up in the same realm eventually. And that's the way it is usually in the regular college football years it might be the same week for everybody but what alabama is doing seems like a different planet than what ohio state's doing because of geography and because of conference and and the fact that that ohio state's never going to play them unless they make the playoff so to me i think that overcoming what week it is or how far another team is into the schedule is a very small thing to have to try to figure out how to overcome in relation to what we're talking about last week which was not playing at all so like the fact that there's like some hope there is what I think everybody's kind of clinging to. And like you said, it's important to remind everyone that a vote means that they could be voting on how to proceed with the spring season. So, like, I, I don't want to, like, get everybody's hopes up, but the fact that we have people from the Chicago Tribune and ESPN.com talking about how October start date's not completely dead, even though I don't think tenth was ever the 10th was a real date, I think that was more of an idea. Um, anything in October, I think, is workable if you come up with a good plan. The same way that the Big Ten schedule was collapsible when they initially released it days before canceling the season. Like, there's a lot of smart people, believe it or not, that work in college <laughs> athletics that can come up with a plan. Um, I think coming up with a plan is the hard part. Executing it's hard, but like having an idea and vision of how we're going to do this is what we're all kind of waiting for. And like, it's kind of encouraging to know that. At least there's some discussion behind the scenes taking place about how and why and and what and where and all the W's that you can come up with. Um, this is going to work, and I'm excited to see how this all pans out, and I hope for, for our listeners, I hope for us, I hope for my 
bookie. Like <laughs> everybody <laughs> wants the same thing here. So like, um, let's just get it done, Bill. I'm, I'm excited. And I think that it's cool that both of our guesses were before Thanksgiving, which if we would have recorded this on Wednesday, I don't think that would have been the case. I think I'm going to make my official guess. And this is a guess. This is a guess. This is a guess. Halloween. Can I just join you on that? Cause it's, sure. it makes the most sense. Like I, I agree. Uh, I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm saying it. I can't believe that. But, like, that's the cool thing about this, too, is just, like, it could be bad news, bad news, bad news, and then, like, all it takes in the world of college football is one tweet, one tweet from Pete Thamel, and it's all it's all different, <laughs> you know? And, like, yeah. that's cool. Like, I, I like the, the idea that, like, I had a discussion with Bobby Carpenter on the phone. Like, we had a, a – and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but sorry, Bobby – we were talking Bobby's, about... Bobby's tweeting a lot. I don't think he's hiding yeah. how he feels. <laughs> no, no. Okay, I know. But I was just like kind of confused about some of his tweets. And uh, he had some ideas of like, you know, what I was tweeting. And, you know, we, we had a, just like a, a nice constructive conversation. I, I respect him a lot. He's a really good guy. Heart's in the right place. But the fact of the matter is, is that we can speculate a ton because football is a sport that has to be played on a calendar right you have to have a certain x amount of days to get ready just for safety reasons from impact and he was tweeting the other day about how there needed to be a decision by the end of this week because at a certain point it's just impossible to play a football game if you don't have the the right around the right amount of time so like from that standpoint sitting here on september 10th i think we all agree that an october start date is absolutely possible if things get ramped up in the next week yep but every week that goes by where we don't have an answer, it gets harder to envision. And, like, I actually texted you this on the side, Bill. But Jim Harbaugh said his team could play in two weeks. And I'm like, what? I thought that was crazy. And I texted you. I said, do you think that's real? And your explanation was? Uh, it is crazy. I don't think it's impossible. Um, they haven't been hitting. They have been practicing. Other te- We have a question. The next question is about practicing. Um Teams have been allowed to practice. I know, like, Wisconsin just had to shut down, and Penn State shut down athletic programs without being specific to whether or not it was football. But I do think the idea of, like, we've been practicing, doing walkthroughs, running, wearing spider pads, doing non-contact, give us two weeks to have contact practices and we can be ready to play. It doesn't sound totally nuts to me. I think, like, three or four weeks would be ideal. But Jim Harbaugh is a crazy person, and I don't think really ponders what he's going to say before he says it. So when he said it, it did sound nuts, but I, I don't think it's totally out of bounds. And last night, Wisconsin said that they uh, paused their football and hockey for yeah. a few weeks too, didn't they? So like there are teams, yes. again, the, the virus is still, Bill, a uh, opponent here. Um, and, you know, it will continue to be one. I don't think that anybody thinks that this went away. What I do think is that everybody wants um, – the challenges for the SEC rosters and the challenges for the Sun Belt rosters and the challenges for the Big Ten rosters to all be the same. And games are getting postponed all the time. I think that anybody who's rational is going to know that that's going to continue to happen and would happen in the Big Ten, most likely, if this were to continue. But just the fact that everybody's giving the same go of it, I think, is like a good thing. And the way the Big Ten handled this was terrible. It's terrible. But the one thing that everybody is saying, and I agree with, even though I haven't expressed that on Twitter, um, is that there is still hope. Calendar-wise, if things get changed and people reform the current plan, they can still play. They can still do it. 
So I, I don't know if I agree with the two-week thing, but as Bobby put it and as we're putting it now, there is enough room on the calendar to make things work if there is a swift decision here within the next seven to ten days. So that's why the reports of a potential vote by the late weekend or early next week are encouraging because what if that vote is let's get going for a mid-October or a Halloween start? And I think if Ohio State's playing on Halloween, um, there can be a plan in place for the entire college football system to get a playoff going. And if that happens, then like I'm going going to go to KFC and I'm just going to smash a celebratory bucket nice. for myself. I don't nice. know. Like what would I've been dieting, but like what would your celebration meal be? Uh when I'm when I like to celebrate I like to eat wings. So I would go uh Oh yeah? Wings, maybe go wings over. Um Is that really your celebration food? Yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite food, yeah. Interesting. And you're a flats guy over a drumstick, right? No, I'll, I'll eat it all. Yeah. Wow, my celebration, my celebratory food is uh, pizza. I should have that, said Little Caesars. <clears throat> I mean, that could be a good segue if you want to go. <laughs> no, we'll, throw we'll, hands we'll, right now. But okay. we'll save that for a bit. We'll save that for a bit. <laughs> All right, what's next? Okay, the next question is from Douglas F. Does seeing Justin Fields practicing via the Ohio State Twitter account make you think there's a slim possibility he might actually play if there's a spring season? No. no. <laughs> it is <laughs> that interesting that he's. It is interesting that he's there. Um, because well, else would he, he be? Well, he wasn't there. I don't believe he was there, based off some of the things, some things I was told uh, when Ohio State first came back. So Ohio State came back. They're allowed twelve hours per week to practice, um, five of which can be on the field, and we've seen them like they're out there, they're throwing the ball around. Um, I, I believe in the first week they did that. Justin Fields was not there. I think he was back home in Georgia, kind of waiting to see how things play out. That he's back now practicing with Ohio State makes me feel a little more optimistic that something will happen before the spring. And I, I think the idea is just like, come back, get ready. We don't know what's going to happen, but you should be here. Let's get ready. And then when we get an answer, we'll, we'll reassess from there. Yeah, um, I thought that's the way I took it. I took it as nobody knows unequivocally that the Big Ten's not playing in the fall. Go be with your team, see how things play out, and when and if there's an actual tangible answer about the spring, then you can assess from there. But it's much better for him to be there throwing throwing it around and being with his team in the off chance that an October date starts because you don't want to be in Georgia when that announcement, if and when that announcement comes. That's the way right. I took that. Yeah, but it doesn't make me think anything about him playing in the spring. I still think that's a, a no, no sell. No, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? I don't know. I don't know either. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> Non-starter, I think is what you're saying. Non-starter. That's it. That's the word. Thanks, man. Non-starter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're two for two on agreeing, so let's get let's get some some questions in here. That's going to get you know, we'll get popping. We'll, we'll get there. Quick break here to talk to you guys about the athletic. Hey, that's where we work. Ari won't like me saying this very much, but I was reading a very interesting story the other day by Bruce Feldman on our college football staff about Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson, four of the best players in the NFL who are at one time three star recruits before they got to college. And Bruce did a, a really good job of sort of digging into their recruitments, analyzing how sometimes the recruiting process can be overthought a little bit and how that happens or when that happens, you can miss out on, on generational talents like all those four guys. And, and obviously they became four of the best players in the league. That's just one example of the great storytelling you can get at The Athletic. And we got a great deal going on right now. You can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month. That's right, $1 a month. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now 
and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash 4-6, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss the breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash 4-6, receive an all-access subscription for just $1. We hope to see you there. Kevin H., uh, and I thought this was a really interesting perspective, and, and I appreciate him sharing it. Something worse than frustration or anger has happened with me and Buckeye football. Apathy. I'm tired of the new theories. I'm tired of the anger that a lot of Buckeye reporters perpetually throw out, and I just have turned out or tuned out more than I ever thought possible. Isn't that the biggest danger of all of this, that the rabid fan base just cares less? Um. I, I don't think ultimately that that is the result of this, but I 100% understand the sentiment right now because I feel a lot of the same things. It's just it's a really hard thing to wrap your head around, and I and I can only imagine how that gets amplified when you are a diehard Ohio State fan or, or even to a greater extent a player or, or a coach. Like There's nothing concrete from the people who are making decisions. There's speculation being pawned off as, as fact all over the place. And you just don't know what's going to happen. And and I think like I think hopes have been built up and then shattered, and that's happened a couple times in the last month or so. And I feel really bad that that's happened. And and you know, and if I as a reporter have contributed to that in any way, I, like I apologize for that because I don't. That's not my goal to do anything like that. Um, but I do think when Ohio State is back on the field, whenever that is this fall, next spring, fall twenty twenty one, worst case scenario, it'll come back. And I, I, I don't think you'll be tuned off from that. If you're someone who's loved who loved the Buckeyes before this and you're just feeling kind of worn out now, I think you'll love them on the other end. Yeah, I think the ap- uh, being apathetic about the result of this season is different than being apathetic about your favorite team. Um, yeah. And, you know, my biggest fear, and, like, Bill will tell you, and you tell them right now, Bill, but, like, Bill and I used to get into, like, texting spats in the middle of the summer, like, back in, like, June and July about, like, me being nervous about football not playing and I, like, I would like freak out and just be like is this not going to happen like it was like my worst fear and he would be like will you just shut up I don't want to talk about crap I can't control that happened right yeah a lot and like <laughs> it happened a lot and like I'm at the point myself where I have resigned myself to the idea that my worst fear and the thing that I used to bitch about to Bill over the text in the summer happened and I'm at the point where I am desperate probably as desperate as a lot of the people who are more vocal about it on Twitter to happen, but I'm trying to refrain from expressing that as a reporter because that's not my job. My job isn't to root for it or to retweet everything and say, well, what about the big 10, you know, and like ramp people up. And I think that's part of the problem. I think that a lot of people are like latching on to other things or like if, if a video of, Florida State comes on my timeline. I don't have to retweet it and go, well, Ohio State's not playing. And I've seen a lot of that, and I think that's kind of beating people down a little bit. And I think that it's out of desperation to see your team play. But, like, I'm at the point now where I'm kind of numb to it until, like, I have a concrete answer of, like, what's happening. And, like, when I start to see, like, Adam Rittenberg or um, Teddy come out and write these things, it, you know, kind of lights the fire up again. But, again... I'm apathetic to how this is all going to plan out until like I actually have some concrete reason to believe. 
And like for the last three weeks, there's been a lot of talk about October starts and the Big Ten being incompetent and all the stuff that's going on. And it's really just like all a bunch of like hopeful whirlwind, not nonsense, but like rumors. And I don't live in a, in a, in a place where there's rumors or like a thing that get me going. So once we start having an idea of like concrete things, that's when I think the engine will turn back on. But I'm with you to a certain ex- extent right now. You just want to know what's happening to Ohio State, when they're going to play again, how this impacts them from a recruiting standpoint, and all the things that that matter to your favorite team. And right now, the radio silence from the decision makers on your favorite team has made it super hard to, like, care because you don't feel like you're going to get a straight answer. And, like, I'm getting that all the time on Twitter. So, absolutely, I think that you're apathetic about what's going on right now. I think that's a rational and maybe even a healthy way to deal with this because there's only so much energy that you can expend on bullshit you know yeah and you know once your team comes back to play and the fact that you're writing into our show and listening to this podcast which we greatly appreciate is just proof that you really do care about your team and you will when it comes back and i, I don't fear that ohio state's all of a sudden not going to have the most passionate fan base out there i, I still think that that's going to be the case Okay, you were very juiced up to talk about this next question, so I'm going to just ask it, and then you can go on a rant about it for five or ten minutes, okay? Yeah. Uh, from Alex D., will college football leave politics out, or are we destined to have it rammed down our throats for time immemorial across all sports? Shut up, you were real, You were real fired up about it. Yeah. I said, are we going to really ask this question on the podcast? And it's not that the question isn't good. The president of the United States tweeted about it, and when the president tweets about it, it's political. Um, I'm just not a very political person, and I think that... Um, being called a liberal snowflake on Twitter a thousand times a day, despite the fact that I don't even know what that means, is kind of a weird dynamic. And like Bill always texts me on the side too, like you're the least political person I've ever met. And the fact that everybody makes you political is hilarious. <laughs> and it's just like I don't even feel like I'm educated enough about the nuance of the political sides and the views to even have this discussion. So like I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, we I don't think have, that it's, we don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I I I, uh, I understand that. Like what you learned in social studies in high school, like the president of the United States tweeting a message to something that people in areas um, of the country where voting is important is a political stunt potentially could happen. I also know that he cares about the economy or I hope that the president cares about the economy. I don't like again, I'm already talking too much and I don't want to say anything stupid out of just being just just save me for myself. Yeah, just stop talking. It's okay. Yeah. Um, the the reason I included it is is this. Well, one one to embarrass I suppose, me. <laughs> I, well, yeah, but also like this question is dependent on how you define politics, and I'll just leave it at that. The other thing too is like you said, the president of the United States is tweeting about it, and like his opponent in the general election ran a video with empty football stadiums. So like as long as that's happening, no politics are not going to be left out of this. Um, I'm, I don't really want to get into whether the decision itself was politically motivated because I have no idea. I don't know. It's an easy thing to say. I have no. I truly have no idea. Uh, but the discussion from in the aftermath has certainly been political um, from both sides. And but it also seems to be the case with everything. Yes. I think, so, like, I don't think I it's think, like college football. Not, I, th- I feel like your little Caesars uh, thing devolved into politics somehow. I don't know. Um, like, I uh, I tweet something about football and then in my mentions there's people arguing about trump and like i just like mute those conversations because i can't i can't keep up with it like i don't even know like how it gets to that point and i think a lot of times too people have been putting their political affiliations in their um, bios and i think people taunt each other based on what they view and how they feel which is kind of how that stuff happens and and i get the idea that 
you know, some people think that what's happening right now is a result of what political side you're on. Obviously, the states that um, are reacting the least amount uh, to the cancellation are on the West Coast, and the West Coast is also the area of the country that's reacted the um, most to the coronavirus in terms of, like, public policy. And I understand that the Midwest has swing states and, you know, all the other things that come into play. And you can come up with every single, contra- uh, what is it, a conspiracy theory that you can come up with about, like, what this means for the presidential election and all this stuff. And really what I think it's about, Bill, and you can ask me is, I just think it's just about too many people in the kitchen and nobody knowing how to, like, lead the sport and how there's 1,700 yeah. people in charge. And, like, it's just a... Uh, a measure of this function that I think we all kind of knew were there, but wasn't exposed until something like this happened. And now it's a disaster. I don't think that people are making um, decisions based on whether or not to play football based on what they think that's going to mean for the presidential election. And honestly, do people actually, and this might be a stupid question. So just tell me, but are people more or less likely to vote for a candidate based on whether or not Ohio state plays it down this fall? Like, is that a thing that people consider when they're making their vote? Maybe. I mean, I, I, I suppose it could be. Cer- certainly uh, the two men running for president think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I've, if I, if, how, or whatever somebody, vote, I would hope that that would be based on, like, financial policy and caring and empathy and, you know, other things that would come in place before whether or not teenagers play football for uh, our entertainment. But, you know, I understand that that's a reflection on the economy and it's a very complex issue and, We've talked more about politics, I guess, on this podcast than I wanted to. But thanks for speaking doing that. of the economy. I can't believe that caramel was one dollar. Yeah, no, I know, but hey, I'm just pumping money back into it, man. I don't know. But I like to get to the, the heart of the question, and we can move on from it. Like as long as again, as long as the president's tweeting about it, as long as Joe Biden is using it in campaign ads, as long as state lawmakers are sending petitions to the Big Ten, like no, the politics aren't going to be left out of it. Um, you can ignore it. I tend to, um, but it's not going to go away. So I don't know. That's where we are with that. How did I do with that? Did I, I'm not going to get I don't any think messages. You, I, don't think you, I don't think you stepped on any landmines. Okay. We'll find All out right. after the fact. Yeah. I'll <laughs> uh, we'll figure out if I'm, so the liberal snowflake would be the person who votes for Biden, right? Let's, let's not go there. Okay. I just want to know what I would be called on the other side. Like what am I, what is the other side calling the other side? Not touching it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll just next, call you Dollar B then. Yeah. Next question. James A asks, and this is a little bit, a little bit of a hoops question mixed in here. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more likely, a Big Ten championship this year in football without our best players, or in basketball with the current roster? Can you repeat football. that? Which is more likely, a Big Ten championship this year in football without our best players or in basketball with the current roster? Football. Football. Because Ohio State, if Ohio State only played its second team, it's like at worst the second best team in the Big Ten. Um, And Ohio State basketball, while I think it's trending in a good direction, is like maybe a top five team in the Big Ten right now and not near the top, I don't think. Yeah. I'll let you take the basketball stuff, but like I just thought that we've had this discussion on this podcast before, but how many games could Ohio State win um, with only its second team in a regular season? And I think the answer is in between 8 and 10. Yeah. Um, Depends on the West crossovers, I guess. But Yeah. There's only a handful of teams that give them trouble. Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State, you know, uh, with your second teamers. And I think those are the games that you – I think that Ohio State would beat every 
Oh, I don't know. Maybe not every, but it would beat Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, and like Michigan State for sure this year with a second team. Penn State and Michigan are tricky. I think Wisconsin and Iowa, maybe Nebraska. No, you think the second team would beat Nebraska? I think Ohio State's second team would be like a two touchdown favorite at least against Nebraska. If the whole team was the second team, yeah. What 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 in the last five games against Nebraska where the combined score is one hundred and ninety two to seven makes you think that that's? No, crazy I'm trying statement. to like think of like what Ohio State's lineup would look like if it was only their second team, and I'm trying to like compare. It. I mean, I, I'm not arguing. I just <laughs> it's like a crazy thing to say because like I'm I'm the one that's Mr. Talent Gap, uh, so. Yeah, that's just nuts. But, yeah, I think football is just – football is much better than the rest of the conference, uh, and basketball isn't. So I just think that's kind of like an easy thing to say. Should I answer the follow-up basketball question? Sure. He also asked who will be the basketball team's MVP this year, Dwayne Washington, Seth Towns, Justice Suing, EJ Liddell, or the field. I'll go with Dwayne Washington. I like that guy. He's got no conscience. He'll shoot from anywhere. I think he's improving as a defender and as a playmaker. He's always shot the ball pretty well. Um, and he's a better scorer than I think people might give him credit for. They just view him as a jump shooter. So if he is, if he's taking the expected jump that that Ohio State needs him to take this year, I think I'd pick him. Okay, EJ Liddell's a good pick too, but he's young. Like Dwayne's going to be a junior. I like him. <laughs> what you hear me? I said, okay, that's it. <laughs> the man asked the question. He paid to ask the question. I'm going to yeah, answer his yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy you did that. All right, what's next? Ohio State basketball exists. Um, I'm just doing it to be more annoying to you than actually what my opinion is. Uh, Walter H. asked if I can record a voicemail greeting for him. Uh, sure. How would it go? Do it. No. I, he has to send me a script. No. That's... No. Yes. I'm not going to... I'm not going to freestyle is, a greeting Hello. This is Dollaby. Hi. This oh, is Dollaby. You no, read no. Walter's phone. <laughs> yeah. Hi. This is Dollaby. You read... See this one? I'm, yeah. I'd pay for that. Can you do mine? He can, he can just cut that out and... Uh, and use that yeah um but yeah i'll do that send me an email i don't know why you'd want me to do that <laughs> but sure uh, you've got a soothing voice i have friends who listen to our podcast who'd like text me and go god that bill's got a really soothing voice like i could like sometimes when i have a hard time sleeping like i'll like play a podcast or something like i've fallen asleep to your voice before wow i don't i'm not sure how to absorb that information listening so or kind of, listening to your old podcast at cleveland.com or mine and yours and falling asleep with it playing you go you fall asleep listening to me you and doug talking about virginia tech in 2015 yes <laughs> actually that doesn't sound so bad all right let's move on it's worse things to listen to i think i have this written down as brain s but i think maybe it's brian s and i don't know how to type um he asked assuming the big 10 doesn't play a schedule that allows their teams to qualify for the playoff due to the last late start what, if any, repercussions will this have on programs such as Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, perhaps Nebraska, seeking alignment with another conference or simply going independent? Like, zero. I, like, I do not think that is on the table for anyone. For one reason, I'm pretty sure the Big Ten owns everyone's broadcast rights through like 2032 or something like that, um, which is a long time from now. And also, like, 
it's the most lucrative conference you can be in. Like, I get that this sucks and you can be unhappy with that, but the grass is not greener. Like, I can almost promise you that. Maybe like Ohio State might be able to make a go of it as an independent, but they would still need conferences for all their other sports. And the conference that would make the most sense for all those other sports is the Big Ten. Like, it's just not going to happen. I don't. I don't really know how that got started. The idea that teams will try to leave the Big Ten, but I, I think I the chances of happening is zero. I think people were saying why. And this is just another – I mean, I've seen a lot of this kind of stuff. But, like, why is Ohio State's opinion about what happens with Big Ten football weighed the same amount as Rutgers? And it's just like, I don't think it's about that. Um, and it's like a way to, like, puff up your chest and, like, say that your team's the best again. Like, And that's fine. But I think people are like, well, if you don't want Ohio State to play, then we'll just go do our own thing and, like, take our ball and go home. And it's like, that's not well, – Ohio State's making too much money in the Big Ten for it to not continue to be in the Big Ten. And they're going to make more. The next TV deal is going to be a, a boondoggle, as they say. You should watch it's Fargo. I want to watch Fargo. They say boondoggle in Fargo. There's one line in the first episode that, or the first season that says boondoggle. That's stuck in my head, and it's like one of the best shows ever made. It's a great word. It's not used enough. Have you ever watched the first season of Fargo? No, I've not watched Fargo, and I've not watched Yellowstone. Those are two things I want to watch. If you watched the first season, the first episode of Fargo after this podcast is over with, I guarantee you, you'd be done with the series, uh, the season, and maybe the series by the time we record next week. Yeah, the, I don't disagree with that, but it also makes me nervous because I got like work to do and stuff. It's the best show ever made, in my opinion, outside of Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And it's a new I, season starting at the end of this month. So a new season of Fargo. Mm-hmm. Oh, it got delayed from from coronavirus, but Chris Rock is the main character of this episode, uh, this season. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot happening. I'll check it out. I'll check I it love out. my shows, everyone. If you have a good show, uh, if you have a good show suggestion, I've like watched everything, but I I like hate sci-fi and love like true crime and um, drama series. So leave a uh, show review for me in our in our review with five stars and let me know what to watch next. Because you should watch Justified. I'm show dead. Watch Justified. It's a cop show. Okay. But it's got good rating. It's funny. Okay, I'll try Justified. Um, but if you have better shows that you think I should watch, please just leave it in the Apple reviews. Because I look at them every five minutes. Five-star review with a question or a TV recommendation for Ari. Okay, yeah. are you ready? <clears throat> you going to stretch out for this one? Lumber yeah. up? Well, okay. yeah, I'm ready. Okay, we're going to get this in now. From Adam G., why does Ari dislike Little Caesars Pizza so much? It's terrible. If you pick up a, if you get a Little Caesars pizza and you try to pick up a slice, and this is my one experience with it, like five years ago or six years ago when I was starving, it's the only pizza I've thrown out. Really? It's the only pizza that I've ever gotten, and I've eaten Speedway gas station pizza. I've eaten Sabaro, which I think is infinitely better. Um, Domino's Pizza Hut, every single type of pizza you can get. Like, I've had, like, Godfather's Pizza from a gas station before. Little Caesars is the only pizza I've ever gotten, tried to take a bite out of, taken a bite out of it, thought it was disgusting, and threw it away. Because usually is it, pizza... Is like, that the only time you've ever had it? Yes. Okay. And it's the last time. I'll never do it again. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I... I the, the sauce was kind of tangy. It was fine. But, like, when I pulled the pizza up, the cheese fell off, and I in the it wasn't even properly cut. It was undercooked. It was doughy, um, and I thought yeah, the you flavor. Got bad, you got a bad batch. I don't know what it was, but it was the worst experience I've ever had with pizza. And 
usually like I could have like a, a hot pocket like lukewarm and like eat it because I think that tomato sauce dough and cheese is the best combination in the history of anything and I think it's super hard to mess up a pizza to the point that you can't eat it because like usually the thing is pizza su- this pizza sucks but it's pizza you know like and you still eat it and it's fine like the worst pizza is better than most other meals that's the first time I've ever taken a whole pizza and thrown it in the trash. I didn't even try to keep it for later. It was like so it was unsalvageably bad. And it just like to me, five dollars isn't that great of a deal. It's a great deal. You're crazy if you don't know. No, I'm saying like the only thing that is cool about it is the convenience and the price. But like I would well, rather spend two dollars on a red baron or a frozen pizza and make that at home than I would ever paying for that shit. But like I will never go back there. I actually had this conversation the other night uh, after the Flyers got embarrassed in Game 7 against the New York Islanders. I wanted to eat a uh, frustration pizza. So I asked uh, my girlfriend to pick up a Little Caesars on the way home. That's bullshit. Did you I really? I swear to God. I've never I heard you say the words Little Caesar in our entire friendship, which was founda- the foundation of our friendship is pizza. You've never once eaten that around me or talked about it or ever gotten it. I have no idea. So like when the okay. other day when you're like, uh, my man here with this little Caesar slander. It's just like, shut up, Bill. You don't like it either. Like, you don't eat I it. I do like it. Oh, my God. If I don't we, eat it because I have... Here's the other here's thing, a, too. No, here's the problem with you. Everything, it's either all or nothing. Like, there's no in the middle. If I, I have bullshit. options, if I have options, I'm not going to eat little Caesars. It's not bullshit. It's the same reason you like a filet of fish sandwich from McDonald's. There's a sentimentality that gets attached to it for a lot of people, myself included, with little Caesars pizza. What's this like, uh, from when we were kids? No, from when I lived in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and lived in a garage and made twelve dollars an hour and had to pay student loans, and I could buy a five dollar pizza. Like I lived on that shit for two years. Did you have an oven? Yeah. You think I cooked for myself when I was twenty two years That's old? That's cooking. What do you mean that I have an oven? I'm just saying. No, like I got the five dollar hot and ready. At no, I'm Little saying Caesars, like it was great. The thing I don't. I didn't go get a Red Baron. No. Here's the thing. I think. Let me ask you this from another way, and I don't know if you're going to see this coming, but. As somebody who is in a position who's trying to lose weight right now and loves himself some food, I feel like shit, like internally, like I feel bad when I eat a really bad meal because I know it's not good for me. So I, when I do eat a bad meal, want to make sure it counts. And like, I don't know how many calories are in a Little Caesars hot and ready, but to put a thousand calories of shit like that in your body... And to have to feel the buyer's remorse of eating like shit, but also it be terrible, like at least make it count. Like I don't understand. Yeah, at but the all. further problem is like it's like, not terrible. You're basing your take that it's terrible off one eating experience, and like I have plenty of bad eating experience, and I've gone back a second time and it's been fine. So you're basing your entire premise off eating it one time, and I don't dispute the fact that you got a bad little Caesar's pizza. But before you trash it for eternity, maybe try it one more time. But um, I also like saw a pizza review on the internet. Of Little Caesars, and like the same thing that happened to me happened to him. He pulled out the pizza. I've had a lot of Little Caesars, and that never happened to me. So you've never like it's always been like cut perfectly, and the cheese doesn't fall off, and it's like not like gross. Like it was like disgusting. It's like one experience too. Like I've had a lot of Domino's with you. We've had a lot of Pizza Hut, and sometimes and like Pizza Hut, I think is the perfect example of like what's on. Sometimes it's on, and it's really good, and sometimes it's like trash. Yeah. Like, it's very inconsistent. But Pizza Hut on its worst day is never inedible. So, like, the I've fact that... I've had some that, pretty bad Pizza Hut. 
the fact that like Little Caesars was so bad that I couldn't even stomach the idea of eating it, and I went and got another meal, is like a certain type of bad that has like jaded my viewpoint on it ever since. And like the idea of pizza sitting in a um, heated box in a box like for God knows how long usually wouldn't turn me off because I've eaten pizza out of the the vat at Speedway gas stations while in a rush. I like roller food. I eat disgusting food. And that's part of the reason why I'm in my predicament that I'm in. But even Little Caesars now has made, like, grosses me out. And that's the only fast food place that grosses me out. Someday me and you will get a Little Caesars. And we'll see if we can, you can pay can't for turn it this since bus around. The one thing it's I will $5. say. $5. I'll gladly pay for it. <laughs> the one thing I'll say about Little Caesars is that the idea of convenience and price is great. And, like, everybody was conflating the idea when I, like, was anti-Little Caesars of, well, tell me where else you can get a $5 pizza hot and ready. And, like, it's like, I know it's convenient. It has nothing to do with convenience. It tastes like ass. And, like, convenience is not the same thing as taste. And I was only saying that it tastes terrible. I wish you could walk into Pizza Hut or Domino's and get a brick of cheesy bread and a medium Wisconsin 6 cheese for $6 and walk out of there in 30 seconds. The worst thing about pizza is how inconvenient it is to get. You have to call ahead of time. You have to wait a while. You have to go pick it up or it's delivered. The one thing that I love about McDonald's and fast food restaurants is if you want a burger, you can have one in five minutes. Pizza doesn't exist that way, and I appreciate that Little Caesars has filled that space. I think it's a great idea. I just wish the product wasn't dog food. Yeah, it's not dog food. Don't you think that like we could come up with like a different way? Like a like a how is there no competition for hot and like hot and ready? And like that is actually pretty good. Like if Domino's had hot and ready, I would do it all the time. And I'm surprised like no other chains have and Domino's isn't great. I'm not saying yeah. that it's great pizza, but then like people are like, Why don't you get the seven dollar upgrade and get to the deep dish? That stuff's real because if I'm spending seven dollars, it's not gonna be freaking little Caesars. If you had a little Caesars deep dish, you have no. it. It's pretty good. It's yeah, you know what's good. not pretty good? Okay. It's pretty good. All right, why don't you go do uh go get some and do a little bit of a review and like FaceTime me and show me because like I'm I'm a big eye test person and like I I when I'm like super hungry too. And I'm driving down the street and I see like, you know, the opening scene of heavyweights where mm-hmm. they pull the bus over and there's like yeah. 9,000 restaurants. And like, I'm like tempted by all of them. If I drive by Little Caesars, it might as well be like a check cashing place. Like, I don't even look at it. Yeah, it's not something it's not something that I seek out. The other night when I said I wanted it is because it was like 10 o'clock and nothing else was open. Um, but then it turned out that Little Caesars was closed anyway. Um, it's not like I'm not and I don't really think anybody was saying this. No one was saying like Little Caesars pizza is awesome. I think the idea is that like it's passable for five dollars. I don't think it tastes like trash. Somebody said like I feed it to my kids, and you said like I'll feed your kids dog shit. Like that's like <laughs> that's not. I don't think that's what it tastes like. It's not the best pizza I've ever had by any stretch, but I think it's good enough for the price point to make it worthwhile. And sometimes um, it's even a little better than that. And I think their deep dish, which is more expensive, is actually pretty good. Like it's on par, I think, with like a Jets um, or a Domino's. You think Little Caesars pizza is on par with Jets? The Little Caesars deep dish, yeah. Yeah. Well, then I've never had that, so I can't speak to it, and I don't like when people provide opinions on things they haven't had. All I'm giving you is the opinion of like what I had, and it was just like the worst experience. Maybe It might have been the worst eating experience I've ever had in my life, and I'm not being exaggerating. Like, it's the only time like I've thrown something out like that. But yeah. we, need to start, we need to come up with a hot and ready concept. And the other thing, too, that I guess... Um, I have to say before we move on is that like 
whenever I'm really hungry, like price point doesn't really factor in for me. And I know that's not a reality for everybody, but like I would rather pay $11 for a better pizza than $5 for a shitty one. And Your like, showing. um, what did you just say? <laughs> I said your privilege is showing. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but, um, the whole point of the original tweet, if you go back to is for me to point out the fact that like Sabaro. Oh yeah. I think Sabaro sucks. You think Sabaro is worse than little Caesars? I don't like Sabaro. Sabaro is the most passable New York style pizza that I've ever had in Columbus. I think it's awful. What's a better slice, like the one that you prefer from Philadelphia, New York City, that you can get in Columbus, Ohio? That's not Sabaro. Like I can't even think of like a place that, that had place pizza that used like to that. be on High Street. That's not there. Yeah, anymore. Flying Pizza. Yeah, and there used to be um, one on Bethel, and that was delicious, and it's gone now. So where else would you go? Uh, I don't know if there is anywhere else, but just because you're the only option doesn't mean you're good. I'm. I think Sabaro is infinitely better and I, I ordered and from I Sabaro would. one time and I ordered like a whole pizza from a, from like the brick and mortar Sabaro here in Columbus and it came in the box and it didn't look like what they put in the box for me like was not an, a whole pizza that had once been intact cut into several slices like it was just like they put eight different slices of pizza in there that weren't cooked together I don't want that that's bad batch but like when you're at the like mall or something. But I've had it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always eat it. Like it's, and I'm not saying that it's the best pizza in the world. I like gourmet pizza that's expensive. Like I get it. But like I could eat Sabaro all day. I can't. Like my experience at Little Caesars was so disgusting. I'm not a it, fan. I was hoping because usually when I get it, it's like reheated at a rest stop. And then when I ordered it from the brick and mortar store and I got it and it was like the same thing, I was disappointed. I was hoping for a fresh pizza and it wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, that was a lot of pizza talk. We got two more football questions. It's my passion. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> for for the twelve of you who are still listening, here's uh, two more football questions before we wrap up. Uh, Brandon L said, "Your offensive line discussion from last week was interesting and thoughtful, and I was thinking about it recently. I wonder if 2014 brain lingers with the staff and with the fan base. That line: Taylor Decker, Pat Elfline, Jacoby Bourne, Billy Price, and Daryl Baldwin uh, was all three star and low four star guys. Um, not quite there. Taylor Decker and Billy Price weren't low four star guys." Um, and he says, Price is a two-way guy. Do you think there's maybe a residual idea of stars not mattering because of what that line was able to do and fans are more apt to overlook big misses on the offensive line because of that? And that's a really good question. I think it was like a really well-thought-out question. Yeah. Um, sorry, I think, go, first, well, yeah. I think part of the reason why we have this idea that having a class like the 2020 class filled with three-star developmental guys is okay is because of that line. You know, I think that there yeah. is a certain aspect of look at like what billy price became what was billy price a four-star billy price was a four-star i want to say he was, he was a defensive a tackle player, wasn't but he? he was a defensive lineman yeah. yeah yeah um but i think pat elfline is the perfect example here right because he was like a three-star developmental guy that like i think we even wrote stories that wouldn't have been recruited if urban meyer were were the head coach when he, he was, was in high fickle, school right holdover yeah so like i think you get it in your head that as long as you're a big um athletic Ohio lineman that has heart and a passion for the Buckeyes that they'll turn out to be really good players and I think that in certain cases that that's true I think it's true with Pat Elfline and now he's like a really good offensive lineman in the NFL and making a lot of money um, but I don't know if that is a good enough thought process for the replacement of the natural talent that you really want and need to compete at the highest level and just because it came came together well once um, and Ed Warner let's be honest I know people have mixed feelings about him was a hell of an offensive line coach and, you know, the developmental 
ability of like what they were able to do in 2014 was was an awesome feat and things like that have to come together to win a national championship that's why winning a national championship is so hard but to base that as like the baseline of what ohio state needs to accomplish in recruiting i think would be misguided yeah um Rook, just real quickly, last week, I think I might have said that Stud has never had a first-round pick, and like Billy Price was a first-round pick, so that was a pretty bad mistake on my part. Um, this is an interesting premise, and I, I do think it does exist to an extent, and it, it's part of the nature of offensive line, too. And if I think if you follow it's the hardest position to evaluate in high school, so a lot of guys end up being lower rated than they should be, and conversely, I think guys who are just like freaky athletes and big get overrated. And, and maybe don't quite pan out as much. So I, I think probably more than any other position, the offensive line lends itself to three-star guys developing in the first-round draft picks. Um, and that's not a bad way to exist. And Ohio State's track record doing that is really good, especially lately. Um, but I do think like that takes time. Even And it even takes time with like five-star guys. Like Nick petit Frères is going into his third year, and like now he's ready to start. Um, and the idea that my, my premise last week when we were talking about it was like if you keep – missing specifically on tackle like there's going to be a gap in a year or two a tackle like when Paris Johnson's gone um and Nick Petit Frere's gone there's just a lot riding on the idea that like I don't know Josh Fryer and Grant Tutant are going to develop to be starters in two years or, or two and a half three years and it's not impossible and it certainly happened a lot here but I would feel better about Ohio State's offensive line security if they were able to supplement guys like that every year with a Tristan Lay, with a J.C. Latham, with a Parrish Johnson, who they, who they got. But like go out of Ohio and win a battle that almost every other assistant coach at Ohio State has shown an ability to win. And I just don't think that's happened specifically with tackle um, since, I don't know, 2015. And regardless of stars, Ohio State's priority were those players, which means that's what Ohio State wanted. So, yeah. you know, I don't know even know if it's about rating. There have been times where Ohio State's wanted players that are lower rated high, more than players that are higher rated. And I trust Mark Pantone and Ryan Day's evaluation over um, the evaluations of um, the recruiting services. But I'll also say, too, that with how many analysts and um, people breaking down film at these recruiting services now and how much money is being put into place, the two are becoming kind of the same. And I think that they kind of interwork and are intertwined together. And like, if there's a top 100 player in the 247 Sports Composite rank- rankings, I'm fairly certain now at this point that that is a top 100 player. Like, I think that the discrepancy of, you know, um, evaluation has gone down dramatically in the last five years just based on how much resources are being put into it. So, um, again, regardless of stars, if Ohio State wants somebody and misses on them, then they missed on the person that they wanted. That's who they preferred. And that's who they preferred in these cases that Bill was talking about, and that's a blow regardless. I think that there's a chance that they can develop guys and, and really get around to having good offensive lines from players that were three-star prospects. I know it's possible. Um, but to me, like my gut feeling and my gut reaction is always going to be get the best player possible, and that hasn't been the case if they're losing battles of, uh, of guys that they want. Last question, we'll wrap up, going a little long this week. Zachary P. asks, what's the best position battle outside of quarterback if Ohio State does play in the spring? And he says, I feel like what happens next with the offensive line when Josh Myers, White Davis, and Thayer Munford go pro is going to be very interesting. I agree with that, but I I don't know if that's my answer. And I thought this could also be a good spinoff into the 
I guess the expectation now, I don't think it's official just yet, that early enrolled players aren't going to be able to play if teams do play in the spring. Because I think if they were, my question without a doubt would be running back and whether or not like Trevion Henderson could show up and start. That'd be fun. That would have been fun. That would have been really fun. I don't know if it's realistic. We talked about how unrealistic that probably was, but it would have been it would have been a fun thing to to monitor for sure. So do you have an answer to this outside of quarterback? If, I mean, I think probably somewhere in the secondary, right? Like I don't know. Uh so much talent in the secondary. Uh, I'd like to see um you know who could step up. Uh I what I really want to see is which two corners want to play like would play the most. Yeah. You know, and I know that like Harry Combs has been somebody who you know rotates evenly, and maybe that's what's going to be the case. But like, who is the um, second corner that is going to step up next to Sean Wade? And I think that we have an idea that Cameron Brown's probably going to be that guy. But is there anybody that could push him and and take reps away from him? And like, are there guys that can't come off the field there? And like, Ohio State's been so good at cornerback in the last seven years. It's just like I want to know who that next guy is after Wade. Yeah, I think that's a good one, and I, I think too, like if if we are if we're entertaining the idea that they're going to play in the spring, and who knows who might play and who might not play, um, I think interior defensive line becomes very interesting. Tommy Togiai and and Matt Miller from Bleacher Reports' uh, first mock draft of of this cycle, he had Tommy Togiai as a third round pick, top one hundred player. Um, if he decides like you know what, it's not worth it for me to play. I'm not playing. Um, Haskell Garrett is a senior. Uh, Antoine Jackson is a senior. Teron Vincent, when we saw him coming out of, or when I saw him coming out of the Woody on the day that the season was postponed, like was on crutches, and I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's battled a lot of injuries. Like if he's not healthy, if he's not healthy, and Tommy Togia is like, I'm protecting my draft stock and I'm going to the league. And then you have a senior Haskell Garrett, a senior Antoine Jackson, and like not really much behind that. Um, the battle to like become a guy in the two deep at defensive tackle becomes very interesting because I think we all know that Larry Johnson wants to be able to play like four or five guys there. And I don't even know if they'd have that option. If, if that scenario I'm describing plays out. Did you just like create the defensive line doomsday for the listeners as we were so positive for the first half of this thing? Yeah, maybe I Why apologize. Do that, that. Okay. Let's not do that. Let's talk about a uh, receiver <laughs> and how good everyone, everyone's so young and Every, everyone's great. Did you know that Brian Hartline signed four receivers in the top 60 last year? What? Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> what? Oh man. We went an hour and five. How, how do you feel about the way this, uh, this podcast went, Bill? I think we got a little sidetracked on the political talk in the middle, which was expected. <laughs> do you think that we should cut that out or do you think just let it roll? No, I think it was okay. I think okay. it was okay, and if it wasn't okay, uh, my apologies. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I mean, you knew what you were doing, okay. too. You're the host. You picks the questions. He put that in there because he knew I wasn't going to be prone. I wasn't going to be equipped to handle that. Yeah. It's like it's putting a, in a three-star offensive lineman as a sophomore. Yeah, don't do that. You're asking for trouble. Okay, we'll wrap up there. Thank you guys so much for uh, submitting questions. Again, theathletic.com slash forward dash six. $1 subscription now, $1 per month. And please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you find podcasts. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And thank you uh, also for dealing with us and, and being patient with us. We got this podcast up a little later this week. And we'll talk to you guys next week.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.